Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness, help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous episode is with my new friend, Cameron Shane. I like this bio that I'm reading about Cameron. It's referred to as a social philosopher, educator, fighter, yogi, artist, writer, and founder of Budokan University. Budokan is a style of movement developed by Cameron and some of his associates as well, I'm sure including one of the people we, that we actually recorded this conversation at was Sanji Ribeiro. He's considered one of the greatest jujitsu players on the planet. He's largely influenced the style of movement from my understanding. And it is essentially a fusion of mixed martial arts uh, along with say, like movement exploration. So it's very intelligent the way that they go through developmental patterns, moving on the ground, and also with awareness of strength and stability and also flexibility. So really fantastic system, Budokan. Recommend checking that out if you see any workshops in your area. And just a, a fantastic mind, fantastic person, really humble, sweet, kind being Cameron is. And I think you guys will gather that in this conversation. I would like to thank you guys for leaving reviews on apple Podcasts. i want to read a review from this comes from j strees one j strees one says love it exclamation point i've been listening to this podcast for a while now and it never fails to make me laugh get curious and think a little deeper perfect balance of entertainment and education thanks for all you do aaron exclamation point thank you so much j strees very kind. I read all these reviews. It really is meaningful. It just takes, I think, maybe 26 seconds to leave a review on your phone. Just scroll down, plus press subscribe while you're there. And uh, if you believe that we deserve a five-star review, it is very helpful. All right, we go back to scheduled programming with my guy, Cameron Shane. In relation to uh, people proving themselves with uh, tortilla wrapping skills and such, that's pretty prevalent in the martial art space and the weightlifting space and like the, did you ever have any of that growing up with your own self trying to prove some shit that part of getting into like your, your martial interests? Yeah. I mean, Not I, to get all deep. I know we went from like tortilla flipping to, yeah, I think, yeah, well, Jungian, I think I'm still Freudian. trying to prove myself. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you ever, I don't think you ever stop trying to convince others and yourself that, you know, you're, um, that, that somehow you're, worth caring about you know because i think that the the world is so dynamic it's you know it's it has no no static quality to it at all really it feels like it's just constantly expanding and contracting so i feel like your relationships are doing that and your personal relationships require you know this constant i don't know reevaluation or re a re uh assessment of of are you bringing enough to them are they bringing enough to you i mean i've had relationships that passed that have been with me for, you know been in this relationship with a person for many 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 years and then you start to recognize that somehow you're no longer giving that relationship any nutrition and you start to start to question you know why you have them so i guess that there's this some part of us it's always trying to figure out if we're worth the investment from someone else or or if if uh, someone else is worth the investment from us and so I, I get yeah I guess I feel like you never stop somehow you never stop chasing that approval of people and you know what I'm saying yeah for somehow sure. yeah 
Has that, is that something that, was there a, a distinct, because that's very common with uh, probably most men, mm-hmm. I would say very common, probably just humans in general. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's something that's like, is there any kind of root for that with you, that sensation of proving? It's a, it's a real, I mean, it, get, it gets us along. Mm-hmm. The, the idea to want to prove and compete. I was reading the, the uh, Art of Peace from Morihei Yushiba, yeah, that mm-hmm. founded Aikido. Aikido, Aishiba, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things he's talking about in there that I thought was really cool was different types of martial arts. He talked about the, the materialistic martial art and the spiritual martial art. And the materialistic martial arts coming from this dualistic place. There's always opposition. There's tension between push-pull competition. And then kind of like what you're talking about with the oscillation, there's the, the spiritual martial art, which is kind of come from this place of you know, unicity or totality. You're seeing that there is no opponent you know there's there's no allies no there's no opponent it's just theater ultimately and so what you're competing with you know or trying to prove you're never trying to prove anything to someone else ultimately you're trying to prove something to yourself so that's like the spiritual martial art lens and then there's a materialistic lens where it's like oh i am in competition with this or i'm trying to prove something to somebody or whatever yeah i think that's i think that's a common maturation process for the the human ego you know Uishiba wrote most of that material when he was somewhat elderly. You know, uh, I think that's, you know, sometimes we miss, we'll read something from some great scholar or philosopher, and we won't realize, you know, they wrote it when they were 80, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, oh, you know, well, why am I not, why, why don't I think that way? And you're like, well, you're 25, <laughs> and you're don't, you don't know what the fuck you know, you, you're going to do tomorrow. You know, you don't even, you're not even, you're still, you're still trying to figure out, you know, which of your imagined ambitions you're going, you know, you're going to chase yeah. tomorrow. So I think the first thing that a human does is we attempt, again, once we leave, we start attempting to survive. And that looks like acquiring wealth, stability, uh, reputation, experience. We start acquiring things. And once we we've acquired those things, and we then start to experience what those things can afford us, what we can experience through material you know, gain. And then we, I think, then we run out of that, how fun that is. And you're like, oh, yay, I've got another gold this or another diamond that or another expensive this. And I think at some point, even the most committed retail shopper most committed um, materialist runs into a point, I think it runs into some moment or has a point in their life where they realize it, that it's not, that just does not create a, a feeling of safety. You know, it's because it's, I think we're all looking for that moment of, I just want to feel safe. When I feel safe, I feel tranquil or I feel, you know, kind of in stillness or peace. Because happiness, you know, material will buy you happiness. I, I don't argue that point. Um, material will buy you joy, and it will buy you happiness. It'll buy, it'll buy you fun. But it won't buy you tranquility, because being tranquil is obviously something that is this inner knowing, this inner uh, state of isness that that really shouldn't be affected by the coming and going of material you know, possessions or objects or people or places and things. So I, most people 
don't cultivate that inner knowing and that inner that you know I, you know I, I'm I'm an atheist, so I don't jump into the statements of soul and, and whatnot. But when I say you know the self, I'm really referring to uh, you know your your conscious mind, your your awareness, and when you spend a lot of time with yourself in that way. I think you start to recognize how little, if nothing, that self needs. But when you spend most of your time with your possessions and with your accomplishments and with your reputation, you somehow realize how important, you know, those things are. I think Rumi once said, destroy your reputation. Just just destroy it. Because like, and and which also reminds me of something that the billionaire... uh, I forget uh, one of these, one of our contemporary billionaires who's uh, older. I think it was Warren Buffett. Yeah, he he said the only thing you have that matters is your reputation. So if you think about the ironic, I guess approach, you know, the, 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 there's something so fascinating about this: the the non-materialist and the materialist. Uh, addressing the same issue. You know, one is your reputation is everything because your reputation is how you borrow money. It's how you borrow wealth. It's how people, you know, depend on you. It's how people see you, whether that's you or not. It's the brand that you want people to to see and know, and, and that brand assists you in creating wealth. And then you've got Rumi saying, destroy your reputation because that's all other people's perception of who you are, which isn't even accurate anyway. So there's, you know, very interesting contradiction that's happening there. And it's incredibly ironic and it's incredibly funny that, you know, you have that going on. So I think in the pursuit of becoming, you know, an an adult like Oishiba, the pursuit of becoming an elderly, an aged, wise human, I think, you know, you go through materialism, which as a martial artist, you go through competitive desire you you want to win you want to be dangerous and you know you want to be respected for being a competent and serious adversary and then at some point you you realize well you can't be that anymore that's just impossible and so then you have to transition into being a competent and you know highly respected teacher so so it, it really you know it really depends on where you put all your you know, quote unquote, your eggs, you know, I, I don't put all my eggs in that basket of, of any of those. I, I, I think I have a few eggs in every basket. I like being a teacher very much. I like competing very much in its own way. I like the nature of, of feeling the struggle of, I like being in some ways beat up. I like winning. I like losing. I like the experience of struggle. Uh, so which you can't have without competition. So, I mean, in some way I kind of like it all. So I don't, I don't want to be overtly or hyper-focused on one over the other. So I think, uh, you know, in in the earliest days of Aikido, Uishiba was very much known as a very, you know, very dangerous and formidable martial artist. And then as he aged, he became ironically disinterested in even teaching the technique which his students would, he was famous, he became, he became very notorious for lecturing all through class rather than teaching. And the way Japanese people are, they really want to know detail. They're like, you know, do you want my foot at one o'clock or 12 o'clock or somewhere between one and 12? You know, they want all this detail. And I would just start this long diatribe on harmony and peace and love. And these guys are standing around 
you know, they've come to, you know, class and they're young and they're full of testosterone and they're, they want to be, well, you know, I'm here to learn to be a, a formidable you know, martial artist. And he's talking about harmony and love. And they're just like, what in that is happening? So I think we just go through stages. I think, we'll, you know, we'll just, we're just always as humans going to keep changing. I think, you know, we're always going to have these. I don't think we'll ever, well, if someone stays fixed, they're fucked. So I, you know, but if you're, if you're an aware and curious human being, you're going to change. Curious people change. You know, that's why I think Donald Trump is an example. is a terribly uncurious person, in my opinion. He seems incredibly, he doesn't seem interested in anything other than what he knows. And, and that's why I feel like he's, he doesn't change. I don't think he has changed in his, the entirety of his public career as, as a public persona. I think he's remained incredibly consistent, even in the sense where he's inconsistent consistent so he tells people what they want to hear oh now he's best friends with the clintons oh now he's now he hates the Clintons. you know he's just consistently inconsistent in that way so i don't think anything is surprising about him but my point is that people like that don't appear to me to be curious people so they they just remained or they just remained the way i see their bodies just very rigid and stuck and that's how i see someone like trump he's just stuck in this big lumbering static, you know, decaying vessel that is <laughs> basically just a reflection of his fucking brain, you know? And the same thing with Biden. I think of him the same way. You know, look, at he can't put five words together anymore. Yeah. He's just rambling, you know? They're like, uh, get the president off the, you know, <laughs> They're like, president, we have some questions. They're like, oh, that's all from the president Biden today. You know, they're like, literally fucking pull that guy. Off because he can't have a coherent. I mean, all these guys are the same. They're just a bunch of old fucking. There's old, and their bodies reflect their minds. They're all fixed. They're all. They, they don't get on the floor and move. They don't lay on their backs and roll on the ground and become curious about what they didn't know they didn't know in their bodies and and in and in the people around them. No, they're 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 very comfortable in their you know in these little. Yeah, I think the the whole mind body connection is something that's I've, I'm, i'll probably spend the rest of my life i'd imagine sorting that out and mm -hmm, get to mm -hmm. age you know yushiba mm -hmm. age and still don't know what the hell's going on with this whole thing mm -hmm. but it is it is pretty impressive to see the the correlation or connection or association to the way that a person moves to the way that a person thinks and is that something that do you feel like that's like a is there any kind of absolutes with that because where i run into trouble with that is you know, maybe like a Stephen Hawking or someone that's been like paralyzed or something like that, or their mind is still really mm -hmm. dynamic and, you know, it's, it's, it's intricate and complex and it's like sturdy and stable and, you know, it's all those things, mm -hmm. but the that, body's not there anymore. And that, that, that's true. I think that when you're, when you're dealing with some, someone like a Stephen Hawking's or an Einstein where you're, you're you're experiencing a an individual who's who has an incredible talent. It could be a it could also be a Beethoven. Um, you've got an incredible talent in a particular sector of consciousness. Of in, you know, there's this in, there's this particular place in an in intelligence where you're in, you know, highly gifted. Um, and I think for these guys, mathematics. You know, is is I mean, 
I, in other words, I don't think Einstein nor Stephen Hawking were abstract thinkers. As much as we might, you know, like to think that they were, I, I don't think they were abstract. I think that they were. I don't think you can be incredibly ab- abstract and, and and esoteric and still be able to um, focus on solving a problem. Because Einstein said this: I'm not, you know, more intelligent. One of his famous quotes: I'm not more intelligent than other people. I just, I just stick with problems longer. I think that ability to stick with a problem and then understand also sort of the architecture of a particular construct or concept. And, and, you know, when we're talking physics, we're talking mathematics, we're talking uh, a particular container. And some people just understand containers in a different way. And I think that we then confuse the totality of them with uh, with an incredible talent that they may express. So I don't know what kind of person Stephen Hawkins was. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he was fun or interesting or clever. I don't know if he was a great lover, a great friend, a great, you know, like, you know, I think, again, we reduce people's entirety to, you know, again, some particular talent. Sure. And say, well, there, fuck, you know, I mean, Michael Jackson's another very interesting example of that. He was a musical genius, but he was emotionally, obviously, very, um, uh, had a lot of distortion in his development as, as a person. So, uh, you know, that led to him not being able to have a healthy relationship with another adult in an intimate way. So his relationships were with kids. And, you know, if you even watch the documentaries, which I thought were incredibly compelling from the, from the, the people who were his childhood lovers, it, it really, I mean, you could call them victims, but I, I, instead of playing in that, I'm, I'm, what was more fascinating is that they each saw themselves as his lovers in their oh, own way. I didn't realize that. Very interesting. They didn't refer to themselves as that, but you could tell they weren't necessarily that. They weren't angry at him right. as much as they were in love with him. And they were sad that the relationship didn't go the way they wanted because they, they really, you could tell at least two of the boys who became grown men and got married, you could tell they had this incredibly intimate relationship with him that they valued and loved. They were in love with him. That, that was clear throughout the whole documentary, that they were actually in love with him. And, and in some way, I think he was probably in some way in love with them and whatever distorted version of reality that, 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 that works. Because I think where the distortion is, is that, you know, you've got, you've got you know, a, a quote-unquote grown man and you've got a, a, young, a young boy. And that distortion in that is, in I guess the the obviously the physiology, but maybe you know maybe Michael Jackson in his own way was uh, emotionally as mature as a ten year old. I you know sure. again, again I'm I'm not in any place to make that you know to to, to make that true in any way. I feel I, it, it is like like in a, a disintegrated person, there could be parts of that person that really truly are like I've heard this with drug addicts you know, yeah. or alcoholics or whatever. You essentially become emotionally stunted around that point like if you were a drug addict for nine years 12 years whatever that was kind of a black space yeah and then you need to catch up yeah and so you might have the physical development or you might have the intellectual development but there's certain and it's an interesting it's an interesting lens to to examine oneself from you, know, yeah. you just think oh i'm mike yeah it's just mike <laughs> like <Yeah>. well <laughs> there's layers to this mic thing yeah yeah and and, you know going back to the stephen hoggins thing is you know this guy's had his 
brain inside of you know formula and 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 theory and and it, it, like this in, his brain has been in this container of numbers and equations and i mean is he out is he out developing social skills i don't know yep. likely not you know i, I mean I, again to some degree, yes, but also there's this part of me that thinks, how can you give that much time to that and still put that amount of time over here into this? So I think that there's a give and a take. So I think that some of the most socially developed people have no real talent to, a special talent. Sure. You know, to, to, to when you say people are on the spectrum, like autistic, you yeah. might be really brilliant. Yeah. pianist or mathematician or whatever it is right. but you just when it comes to talking to a person the opposite sex you just like shut down so true and so i think of like okay so why doesn't stephen hawkins if he doesn't have a body why can he think the way he thinks if we basically re, you know correlate thought and movement as a reflection of one another then you go into well um again are we talking about the whole person or are we talking about a part of a person's development so for me when I say, you know, you, you move the way you think, I, I think that that's true. And I, and, I, and I would even argue that if Stephen Hawkins wanted to move the way he thought, then I think he would have been an extraordinary mover. Because the thing, you can't argue the fact that he knew how to think. And if you know how to think, you know how to learn. Because, you know, if, if, if you know how to, I mean, for me, thinking, listening, learning, you know, it, they're all connected in some way. I, my ability to concentrate on what you're saying as you're teaching me something is, is paramount to me learning it. You know, if, if, my, if I'm wondering, you know, so I think these guys know how to concentrate. You know, Hawkins knows how to listen, like fucking listen through you like a laser. And if you can listen like that, I'm sure you can figure out how to move. It's just a matter of then learning that language, you know, in, in tandem to your incredible ability to concentrate. How does a person learn how to move? Like an adult, so like painting a picture, you know, if you grew up in an environment that you were just naturally moved in a, you know, a, a, a healing manner from, you know, when you're squatting regularly, you're gathering water, or maybe you're climbing up in trees, you're being barefoot every now and again. You're probably in you're sleeping with the sun and you're not exposed to blue lights. You're not in chairs all day. Like our bodies are, we have inbuilt mechanisms, self-healing mechanisms, and it's just called life, like life in nature. Like that's our evolution. And when we start to remove that body and put it into modernity, there's nothing wrong with modernity, um, but it, it, it is void of some of those self-healing movements and, you know, environmental conditions and such. So for the person that's in that, that modern mold mm -hmm. and they're 30 or 40 or 20 or whatever, and they've started off as a little kid, then got exposed to sneakers and desks and all that at around age five. Now 20 years has passed. How do they learn to move? Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, the first thought that comes up for me is that, you know, we already, obviously, we already move and we already know how to locomote across the earth. I think there may be a more nuanced question here, which is, you know, not how do they learn to move, but how do they learn to move? What's the real, you know what I'm saying? Not just move for you. What's the real question there? How do they learn to move dot, dot, dot? Hmm. How do they learn to move more consciously? How do they learn to move, you know, 
with less contradiction in their bodies? Like, you know, I guess it really comes into like, what's the question for us? How do they learn to love, you know, to fall in love with moving? So I, I guess it it's it's it really depends on what that individual is attempting to I guess to take from that experience. You know, I think someone's like, oh, you know, I really I really been you know I see the way you're this happens to me and people see the way you're moving. I've been following you on Instagram, da 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 da. And I, man, I'm inspired and I and I want to start moving like that. And I think what people you know don't realize is that you know instead of I mean, and again, you could learn movement patterns like we learn today in, in, in training, where you're learning a pattern and then you're learning another pattern and another. Now you're connecting the patterns. And that is a really, that's a really clean and clear path. But at the same time, I, 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 I feel like it's almost like a false, it's like a false desire or a false intention. It's like, oh man, I really want to move like that. No, you don't. I don't believe you. I don't really believe that people really want to learn to move. Because I feel like if you wanted to move in your body and feel good in your body, you would just start with the most fundamental things. In other words, I didn't learn, I didn't have a me to learn from. I didn't have a me to go, hey, I really want to do what you're doing. When I was a kid, I'm born in 71. There's no YouTube. There's three channels on a TV. There's no cell phone. There's no social media. You don't see anything unless you unless it doesn't come on again a television set with three major news channels with three you know ABC, NBC, CBS. That's all you had. So so how the fuck does anybody learn? You know how does how does Beethoven become Beethoven without YouTube. I mean, how did he do it? I just don't know. I mean, like I'm being sarcastic, of course. Well, what it was is he had a fucking piano in front of him and he started just tinkering with the piano. And, you know, everyone has grass in front of them or something. You just start moving. You know, you, you have a genuine desire to start playing, crawling, climbing, wrestling, whatever you're doing. You know, it's right there. And, and then... People want to skip all of that and they want to go right to doing the Instagram ready stuff. And I'm like, if you if you were sincere about wanting to move, you'd probably already be moving and doing something. Now, it's okay for you to already be in process of moving. And then you're like, hey, I would like to also learn what you're doing too. That, that makes total sense. But I think that it's very important that people understand that you know, a pattern is a refined, like something like a Budokan movement pattern is a refined transition that occurs in every human at some point. Like I get up off the ground as a human this way. Well, I'm going to take that transition that you just showed me and I'm going to tinker with it until I find a more efficient way to execute it or I find that there are, you know, five or 10 different variables, different variations, uh, rather, of that, that I can explore. So there's, so there's, you know, someone like me is just tinkering with what, what a normal person does just to get up and down off of the ground. I'm tinkering with that until I figure out where that, you know, where that, uh, 
you know, can be adjusted and applied. And then if you throw another person's body on that, that becomes, you know, wrestling or jujitsu. It's like, okay, I'm getting off the ground with you on top of me. I'm getting, I'm getting off of my back with you sitting on my chest. How do I do that? And now I'm tinkering with that idea. And then the other person who's on top of me is tinkering with how they're going to keep me on my back and, and, and creative, you know, an obstacle. And then that's how something like jujitsu gets built yep. is two people tinkering with a, with a concept. So I don't necessarily always believe people when they say, you know, oh man, I want to learn to move. But the thing, you know, how do you start moving? I'm like, man, you know, obviously just pick something and go. I want to share my absolute favorite blue blocking sunglasses. They come from my friends over at Raw Optics. I absolutely love this company. It's the highest quality lenses you could possibly get. It's the highest quality frames that you could get. And the styles are absolutely rad. Um, you guys are going to love this company. You're going to love the glasses. Blue blocking glasses is one of the best tools that you could have in your toolkit when you're traveling. It is the one thing that I will absolutely not leave my house without if I am traveling someplace. No joke, if I'm going to a hotel, blue blocking glasses is one of the first things that I put in my bag. If you're getting blasted by all the alternating current blue light bullshit, anytime you got to leave your hotel room or all of the nonsensical lights inside the hotel room, it is the best way to protect your sleep that I've come across. I'm really passionate about it, obviously. I, I genuinely appreciate raw optics. I genuinely appreciate blue blocking glasses in general. And I think you guys are going to dig them. If you want to get yourself a sweet discount, you can jump over to rawoptics.com forward slash align for 15% off. That's rawoptics, R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S.com forward slash align. 15% off your order. These guys will change your sleep. I'm so confident about just the quality of this brand and I think you guys are going to really dig it. So jump over to rawoptics.com forward slash line for 15% off. Wow. Victor Frankel, man search for meaning fella. Are you familiar with Victor Frankel? He's a, he was a psychologist, went through Jewish psychologist and okay. through a bunch of concentration camps. And uh, I, I know that, they, I know they, that, that, that book, man yeah, search man for meaning. Yeah, that that's a quite a famous yeah. title. Yeah. Yeah. I have not read it, by the way. Yeah, really good. Okay. Yeah, it's highly recommended. But he had a thing called logo logotherapy, mm -hmm. and his logotherapy, the way that he described it, was he's more of like a like a like a an eye doctor. He was just changing people's lenses of the way that they mm -hmm. perceive things, the way they see things. And as you're describing, that, I think that's interesting. Of like, of kind of turning it around. Of like, of you know, no, you don't. You know, if you did, you you already would. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Of like, yeah, that's why we have so many insincere practitioners. There's so many people out there. They're just liars. They, they really are. They're they're lying. They don't mean it. They come into <laughs> these, you know, they come into these yoga studios and they come in these movement places and these gyms and all that. And they're like, I want to be on a be. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't. You're not sincere. You don't even know why the fuck you're here. You're like a. It's like a bad relationship. It's like somebody that wants to be with you because they think you'll make them feel better about themselves. They want to be with you because they think that something that you've got is going to enhance what they don't have. You know, we we oftentimes choose people when we're not conscious. We choose those these qualities that we're enamored by because we think those qualities, just like possession of a new watch or a diamond or a material thing, that those qualities will bring us some happiness. So I think people show up in gyms and studios and things, and they show up all, you know, for the wrong reasons. They show up for, you know, I, I want to look good. I want to be pretty. I want to have nice this. I want that. I want to be, um, you know, 
the, the most sincere person that, sh- that you know comes, I think, into a space like that, literally just wants to physically feel better. That like that's their motivation. I, I don't think it gets more sincere than a person goes, "I'm just here to feel good, and when I do this, I feel better." And I'm like, you're the fucking on- most honest person in this room. Because if can everybody say they're in here just to feel good? Because I wonder how many people are in here to look good and to stay looking good and to maintain some kind of some type of brand image. And versus the individual that's in that room and they're not there to be seen. They're not wearing the coolest this or the, the whatever that. They're just there to to train because when they train, they literally feel better. Yeah, with the with the logos stuff when and the the way that we see. What I, what's interesting is like I think in some ways maybe that I don't know like self starting sovereign empowered creative approach of 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 thinking and being and you know physically and you know mentally and all that. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of I don't think that that's like the forefront of our the way that we're educated as little people you know as as like as the youth because you, know, you kind of learn about studying to pass the test and you mm. know A B C or D and like none of yeah. life ever actually functions in right uh, the way we're the way we're shaped the way our culture the way our society yeah and our culture shapes us it doesn't allow for the production of that really high caliber quality human being i mean it does because here's this conversation mm-hmm. you know and so it's i think that it's easy to get like fire and brimstone and dark mm-hmm. you know and like oh like the culture and it's like well the culture is also it's a lot of things mm-hmm. you know sorry to interrupt but i, I, no, I no, that's no. something that's, i catch myself with a lot of times like true. oh man modernity man it's so yeah. bad yeah yeah no but <laughs> you're you're right you're, you, i mean I, I agree with you too i think there's there's a lot of accuracy in that statement which is that you know that there's enough space in the culture to produce you know many different types of of of, of consciousnesses you know so one no better or worse than the other no it's just a finding outcome and, and you know where, where would you like to arrive True. choose your destination it it kind of just depends on what measure what your measure of success is for me i like using necessary versus unnecessary when i do something was that necessary or was it unnecessary uh, did i need to did i need to yell to accomplish that or, or could that have been done with a whisper or was the whisper not enough and it was necessary to turn the volume up you know that's the that's the way that i measure my action you know if if i did too much and it's unnecessary and it, it creates some type of decay or damage. If I did too little, it also creates decay and damage. So there's this there's this skill in doing just enough that needs to be done, just the right amount, which is what is just necessary. You know, the baby's crying and I feed the baby, baby still cries. I change the baby, baby still cries. I, you know, and then I finally figure out that the baby's crying because, uh, the, the, you know, it's it's got, uh, you know, some, it's tummy hurts. Michael Jackson I, is his uncle. Yeah, but Michael Jackson's his <laughs> uncle, exactly. And and, and I, how do I know, you know, how, obviously I, I'm not able to see this until I realize, but no, you, you know, that's the thing. You, you We do all these things uh, in, in an effort to do what's necessary, but oftentimes we're doing the unnecessary to get there. And I get that that's all part of the process, but I think that, that that's creating a society that right now I'm, I'm watching unravel 
in front of my eyes in a very interesting way because the way we've socialized humans up to this point in the in the last you know 100 years certainly which is women need to look like this and this is what pretty is and so the standard is and men need to think like you know like the way we've just been globally conditioning the human consciousness is producing a fractionized human and I use as an example the gender identity issue uh, which I think is a, an incredible uh, demonstration of of cognitive fractioning in some way. I don't see it as, as a lot of, of, of sort of, you know, the, the younger generation think it's quite normal for a person to just choose their identity. <laughs> I personally think that it's more of the canary in the coal mine. I think that it, it's actually a reflection of, de- of very desperate young people looking to not be constricted in some container they don't feel they don't belong here they don't belong there they don't know where they belong they start looking for a place to then redefine themselves as belonging and you know to the point where there's even a a request on the part of reality we're supposed to now start to suspend reality uh, in place of people's you know beliefs whether those i mean you know i'm not going to argue whether a person can or can't choose to be identified male or female, but scientifically, it's just simply not accurate. You can't be a male. You weren't born a male unless you can have, you can get an operation and actually get your chromosomes changed. So there's just, you can get, you know, you can alter physical skin, but you can't change something that's fundamental to, you know, biologically. And so, you know, once we start asking people to redefine terms that are used in order for us to have structure and safety. You know, if you come to the hospital, I need to know you're a female, as an example, and I'm just being very practical. Mm. I need to know you're a female. You've got different organs. I need to know you're a woman before I start cutting into you. Yep. There's certain things. And, and, and so I'm not pushing back against uh, this distressed feeling of, gosh, I just relate to women more than I relate to men, and I just... It's, feel like yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a semantic, it's a, it's an issue of semantics. That's what I feel. Your idea of man and woman, there's right. no way to have a clear definitive, you know, example or, or knowing of what your neighbor's idea of man and woman is, Yeah. which is why I, I personally, I find it easier to use terms like masculine and feminine. Yeah. Cause those are like qualities. True. You know, yeah. and man and woman, if you went to an anatomical textbook, penis, vagina, yeah. you know, like that would be logical, but yeah. then extrapolate out and then we get into opinions and thoughts and feelings and emotions and definitions and semantics and the new these new words that are propping up you know right now yeah you know and now it's do i accept that word and what is your it's and that's what i mean by fractionizing yeah you know the 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 mind you know i i it's desperate in some way to identify and that's why we care so much to be identified with our cultures i mean why why has judaism last so long well you know i need i want to identify uh, i want to belong that's my tribe why why does any you know why does any culture you know just continue on because it it, it's got sort of it's appealing to one of the most base parts of the human consciousness which is the need to belong to tribe yeah so i i get um that you know if i am i don't think i mentioned how do we say sanjay's name sanjay what's up 
Shanji Hibero. Shanji Hibero. Shanji Hibero. One of the most influential, impactful, best jujitsu players on the, on the planet. Well, legend, seven seven time world champion, and uh, considered you know one of the one of the the legends of the sport for sure. We're in his garage. We're in his garage. That's it. <laughs> Just some That's how that's why we're here. Yeah. And there you have it. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I, you know, at any moment he could literally open the door and give me some menacing glare, which which happens frequently. I'm just waiting on him to to, to give me that stink eye, like. Yeah. But I think that's what I think that's very important to to consider with society is that if we don't start recognizing that we've produced this situation. This situation isn't happening because it's like, you know, people, oh, times are changing. No, we've been manufacturing this kind of superficial, shallow, you know, empty cultural and social, uh, you know, pop culture. We've been producing pop culture to the point where we have a, it's a brand. Pop culture is a brand. What's on the radio? Is it pop radio? Like, Popular culture mm. is the worst thing that we've ever created. And it's, in my opinion, it, it is the reason that we're, that, that, that we're experiencing what we're experiencing now because we have, we've driven this car now and the wheels are coming off. And we're just like, oh my God, look what's happening. Like, why would you be surprised at that? Yeah. Why, why should we be do, do, in any way surprised? Because back to your point, because I was trying to make a, a, a full circle here. You're like, oh, you know, let's not, let's not, you know, this isn't a dystopian viewpoint. And at the same time, you cannot remove yourself from a cycle just, you know, simply because you somehow, I guess you could see the silver lining, but if if you eat terrible amount of sugar and you eat a lot of bad food as a kid and you develop diabetes, there are some doors that you walk through that you cannot return back through. Yep. Diabetes is irreversible. Well, you know, cancer, certain, th- you know, certain kinds of cancers, irreversible. I think we're, we have a situation going on in our society and culture that, that certain parts of it are irreversible. And certain things are reversible, but certain things are irreversible. When you put eight billion people on the planet, there are certain things that become more irreversible than others. When you've got 8 million people, 800 people, 80 people, it's so much easier to reverse the course or change course with certain things. So I I would argue that the reality, and this is where I get a bit dystopian, (laughs) I would argue that- This is why you and Chris Ryan get along. This is why me and Chris (laughs) Ryan get along, exactly. I would argue I'm like that, the, yeah. the optimistic youth. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. No, come you on, know. guys. And I'm like, no. well, you know, I think <laughs> we're all going to die pretty soon. But I think what's 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 important to understand is that when you populate to the degree we've populated, and then you try to change course with that, and and let the pandemic be my proof. <laughs> let, let let that be my evidence for this point. 
when you can't get 8 billion people to collectively work together and agree upon something that seems, again, somewhat confusing, but there's certain parts of it that you would think, okay, let's all agree on this part. Let's, let's work together to get this part. But I think that the pandemic has been an incredible demonstration of the fact that we have gone f- too far in, uh, the, in terms of population growth, and we've got too many We've conditioned our our citizens in so many distorted ways that I don't know that we're ever going to get back to a central point of reality that we can all work from some some you know some anchor point where we both go okay okay let's put all that aside do we agree on this sure. can we just can we agree on this I feel like we're at a point now where when you've got a part of society and this is why I bring up gender identity. This is my point. You got a part of society that's trying to get you to suspend even that point when when they're like, we're going to take something that needs to be a fundamental anchor point, which is at least your biological sex. I mean, you know, again, I can work with your clothes. I can work with your your hair. I can work with your sex change. But can we can we agree on this part when that is being deconstructed and we're like, no, that's off the table, too. In other words, there's no reality. Everything's just whatever I believe it, it is. When we reach that point, I argue that we've, we've, we've um, it's like Malcolm McDowell, that's the tipping point. Mm. I think at that, think we, we, you get to a place where you go, ooh, now, now we're, we may be on the other side of, a, you know, of this door and it may not, we may not be able to return through it. Just a, just just to, what's your counter? Get go. go. Just, just counterpoint. Pl- just to just to pl- just to <laughs> play, play devil's advocate. Play devil's advocate. Good. Yes. To and to bring back your original point or something that you brought up was the we have these different tiers of games, you know, and so Warren Buffett is like you okay, had the only game that matters is your reputation essentially. Right, so so right. cultural's perspective of you. Right. All right. Cool. That's it's a layer. That's a game that we play. Pay attention to that one. And there's like the monetary game and there's maybe, I don't know, physical the spiritual health game, game, spiritual yeah. game, whatever it is. And so whoever the spiritual person, who was the person you said was, was Rumi? yeah, Rumi, you know, destroy your reputation or, you know, just because it's just mm-hmm. another one of those, those, those false things games. you get attached to. Yeah. So if you were to continue peeling the layers back, I think you could easily place attachment to sex mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps. Well, people- attachment, to, well, yes, uh, attachment to classification classification but certainly we we need something as utility as your biological identification when certain scenarios like if it, if it was like a medical scenario was like i listen to it i need to know if you originally you know were born with a penis yeah, yeah. And, but, but no, okay well <laughs> let, I mean, where, but, where those are great yeah, but where would that show up for you in other places like how about just in a relationship i need to know that yeah can you reproduce mm-hmm. oh you can't because you're not a female you're not a female homo sapien. I don't care if you can be my wife or my girlfriend. Yeah. We, that, no problem. But I need to understand, can you reproduce? Oh, you can't because, oh, no big deal. It doesn't make you less of a human. But, but see, this is the mentality of this individual, which is I'm not a real woman until I have a vagina. I'm not a real woman until I have breasts. But here's the thing, you can never be a real woman until you can have your chromosomes changed and you can have your organs changed. That's not going to happen. So you you can get a vagina and get breasts. You're never going to be a biological female homo sapien. 
I don't know what to tell you. So why do you want to? So you want to push the envelope here to this point and go? Well, I'm closer. How about though we just destroy all of that? That's not what makes you a feminine Homo sapien. Mm. What makes you a feminine Homo sapien is something much broader and maybe even more interesting than your vagina, than your tits. How about your essence and your way? And I mean, there's, I just feel like, okay, we're just in another trap. Mm-hmm. We're just walking into another trap of like, this makes me a woman now. Tits make me a woman now. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, this, do you not see the rat? Do you know? Have you ever met a man that they, they really do pretty sincerely have what would, you know, I would deem to be like the essence of a, a feminine essence? Yes. Yeah. I've, I even have a feminine essence for, I have a feminine essence. I've, when I was younger, I was often asked if I was gay a lot, a lot. Less was I got older, I probably just got saltier and let, you know, I, I, maybe just as I got older, I got less, um, but as a young man, for many, many, many years, people would ask me if I was gay. They thought I was gay because I also, I, I'm a lot like my mother. I'm very playful. I'm very silly. I'm very affectionate. So I'm very comfortable around men, women. I'm very comfortable in my sexuality. So I, I've often had that, you know, question asked. I think that the femininity in me, which is very strong and very comfortable for me, is a, it's something I prize in me. If I really felt like I wanted to really embrace that and go fully into the feminine experience, I still think the distortion there is that I'm going into the feminine as society has determined feminine is. I'm not going into the feminine that I would only know of me if I lived on a desert island isolated by myself. In other words, what, what is my, what's my anchor point for femininity if, I, if I'm on an island by myself? What do I know of what, what is femininity to me? Yeah. So, so I argue the point that what these young folks are doing is they're desperately searching for another way to identify with something and, and feel like they belong, but they're still just falling into another trap of matching society's version of femininity. Sure. versus what is real femininity and it maybe only when we eat some you know uh, s- uh, some psilocybin or something do we actually even start to peel away those ideas of my femininity has anything to do with my dick or my vagina you know like you start stripping all that notion away i'm know? not i mean so for me i i uh i think it really is just a semantic conversation and but what does stand out is it kind of comes back to the martial arts and the Yeshiba stuff. And I know that I'm not saying his, his name right. You say it way more proper than I do. Well, I say, How do you u- say? Uishiba. Uishiba, okay. Uishiba. Uish, yeah, yeah, it's a very... So Uishiba. <laughs> the Japanese are... Yeah. Very, they, they pronounce everything phonetically. Yeah. But what's one of the things that... And I just listened to his Art of Peace book, so I'm all like hot and bothered about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things out of there was something like, like to hurt your opponent is to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the... The, the peaceful way or the art of peace is is to uh, the exact terminology whatever di- like like diminish conflict without injuring anyone you know and i think that's an interesting thing of, of now more than ever perhaps this is the or like our our greatest test in in remembered history of being able to find compassion mm-hmm. for the other mm-hmm. you know and so when we're having all of these these kind of like opposition Mm-hmm. type arguments or disputes of, well, this is that, and this is that, and I'm in this category and you're in that mm-hmm. category. I think 
the invitation or potential opportunity is to, and, and I think that w- when, what happens when we start to see the world through someone else's lens and we make it make an honest effort to do that and the other person can see that we're doing that mm-hmm. is it starts to create rapport and connection mm-hmm. and that, that the distance starts to get closer and closer and closer until we get, you know, back into Uishiba stuff, maybe into more of that like spiritual martial art place where, ah, now we're in the totality and the unicity. And then we can snap back out into that duality and separation and opposition. But I think that it feels to me now that more than ever, because we're, we're just, we're so queued up to oppose and to have a strong opinion. I'm blue, you're red, I'm, you know, whatever. And I think the, the way toward progress, which again, you have to define what progress is, but to way towards like not killing each other, you know, and, and blowing everything up, I think is really just through that place of, of you know, trying to really see the world through someone else's lens. Yeah, and to that point, I think it comes down to the nuances of a conversation. If if you're blue and I'm red, we need an anchor point. We need a place to return to together when we do then, uh, you know, somehow get in some chaotic mm-hmm. place. And we need to be tethered to this, to this point that we can both, uh, you know, again, look back at. And, and for me, like with politics, it's as simple as I don't vote for a party. I vote for the, in, for the particular or the individual law or the bill. I don't want to vote a party. I want to yeah. vote for that. And, and until we can do that, because that's an example of what does the path to peace look like? Yeah. It looks like that. Then the same thing for me with gender identity thing. I, you, I'm not ever going to be disturbed by you dressing like a female quote unquote whatever the fuck that even means how about like we how about we take that off the table you dressing in a dress yeah i don't care right you want to wear a wig you want to take home i don't care you want to be called she i don't care when you tell me that you want me to suspend reality and 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 science as we know it to accommodate something now we're when you know that to me is where we vote the bill. I need a mo I need some place where you and I like I'm giving you all that. No, you take all that. You take the whatever, you take the clothes, you take the thing. I'll do everything you want. I give you want to go to the girls' bathroom, go to the girls' bathroom. But you you there's a limit. And I think that that's important to understand that you can't have a one-sided negotiation where it's just like you get everything you want and I get nothing. I, 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 there has to be a win-win in this. And for me, it, it, in politics, it's that we vote for, we don't vote the party, we vote the, the position, the issue itself. When it comes to gay marriage, you know, the idea that, as an example, the idea that two men can't be married legally simply because the Constitution was written during a time when, you know, they were using some type of, maybe possibly they were using the Bible as a reference point or they were using religion as a reference point. You know, that obviously does not reflect all people's viewpoints. So it doesn't work. So the middle ground is we agree that every person should be able to get married. And, and, hey, you want to suffer through marriage? (laughs) Be my guest. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. It was like... Why? Hey, go for it. Please get some of that. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I, I can't wait to be married. Oh, well, then jump right in. But I think it's funny that, you know, that we want to, we want, but, but then there's the other, there's an interesting, you know, kind of position of, 
well, I want as a gay couple, you and I go over to the to the cake maker and we say, hey, we want you to bake us a cake for our wedding. And the guy says, well, I, I, I you know, I don't believe in gay marriage. And I'm like, okay, I see that as personally, I see that as his or her right to express their freedom to be a bigot. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, you're going to protect his freedom to I, do that. I, I have in my, to. In my opinion. I have to. Yeah. I'm not going to sue this guy. Because he doesn't want to make, okay, I'm going to be like, well, fuck you. I won't be using you. You know, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you for being, well, thank you for being honest too. Right. In that you are. Um, and you can, it's an opportunity to invite a conversation with that racist yeah. piece of shit. You could change that person. <laughs> or whatever, you could, <laughs> you could though. You could be like, <laughs> like you could be like. Opportunity. Right. You could be the person that says, you know what? I, that hurts my feelings, but I really respect your, I really respect your position. And I just want to say, you know, thank you. And I appreciate that. That moment could change that individual where they go, fuck, man, I, I, I kind of feel guilty that I, yeah. That you lady know? boy was pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a nice person. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a douchebag. Maybe I'm being a douche, you know. And and, and but, but but to then take them to court and then make them dig in deeper. Oh yeah. You they're never gonna bake a gay cake. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. In their whole fucking life. And that's and that's like that's it's so interesting how the whole I mean Aikido. Well, it's victimized. You, you victimized me. Yeah. But it all comes back to like, yeah. like you mentioned in the very beginning of the conversation, like you know, Uishiba. Or, I'm just gonna call him Uishiba because that's how yeah. he felt. He was this seventy odd year old dude when he was like actually putting anything down on paper or yeah. the stuff that I'm, I'm yeah. reading at least. And so it's wait till you're it, old. Uh, wait till you're old before you write shit. That, right. th that's the lesson. Yeah. Wait until you have seen and made. You know, I always say I'm gonna write. I'm going to start writing some memoir, some book for Budokan, you know, and I always, and I'm just like, fuck, but I still feel like I'm discovering things. Yeah. And I, I'm afraid to say something that I will change at some point that somebody, some young 19 year old cat's going to be like, well, Cameron Shane said this. And it, it's, it's, it reminds me of Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby's dad, the movie, Talladega Nights, with Will Ferrell's dad says to him when he's a boy, he says, remember, Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. And he lives his whole life, you know, from this life philosophy his dad gave him when he was 10. And then he sees his dad many years later, and he says, and he's like, but dad, I've been living that my whole life. If you ain't first, you're last. And he's like, when did I tell you that? And he, and he said, when I was 10, he goes, I was drunk all the time. And, you know, and then he says, and he says, and plus, you can be second, <laughs> you can be third, you know, <laughs> you can be fourth. He's like, he's like, that doesn't even make sense. You know, <laughs> and he's like, well, Jesus Christ, I've lived my whole life off that. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I'm afraid to say some Talladega night shit, you know, and, and have some 19 year old kid going, well, that's what I heard, you know, and, and, so I mean, there's this, you know. It's, so I, I, I would rather, you know, refer to Uishiban and say, how old? Yeah, this old wise, you know, man's like, what did he say? I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because yeah. mostly, I'm just chew, you know, together. We're just chewing on, you know, our ideas, what we, you know, what we think, yeah. you know, makes sense for us right now. And what makes sense for me right now is, you know, that. You know, what came up for me the other day is 
listening to you know conservative versus uh, liberal. I've always been really liberal. I'm super liberal as a just general rule. Yeah. But when but I'm not liberal in terms of I'm not liberal financially. I'm more conservative. You know, I, I save money. I treat money well. I, I'm just I have a more conservative attitude, and I have a liberal attitude about social you know s- social policies with gay marriage. You know, I'm super yep. like okay, live and let live. And I'm and, and you know, someone said to me, well, you know, they're trying to pass this new bill where you pay, you will pay for unrealized gains. So let's say you buy a house for two hundred thousand dollars, and it gets revalued in the marketplace for four hundred thousand dollars, but you haven't sold it. Matter of fact, you may never sell it, but you they're they're looking for you to pay the gains on that that you haven't even realized and which you wouldn't realize until you sell the house. And I'm like, well, I'm fucking super conservative if that's what cons- you know, if that like that makes no sense to me. Yeah. You know, we're taxing people for so we have all these places where you find yourself changing, you know. I'm 50, but you know, I voted for Obama twice. You know, I've always been very, as I said, very liberal. I would never vote for a guy like Trump because he's such a, in my opinion, a divisive human. Sure. But I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for a Republican given the way that, you know, the, the, I may see the Democratic Party go with its tax policy. So it's so interesting how you can be divided even within your own political beliefs, your social beliefs. You know, yeah. it's- I heard, I heard, I think it was, maybe it was Naval Ravikant, if it was exactly, but it's, they're talking about the nuance of political parties and political leanings and such. And this, they said it was in my family, I'm essentially a communist, you know, <laughs> where, where it's like, you know, everyone gets the same right. thing. Like we're all the same thing. Right. Like anything that I get, right. it's yours. Like right. it's absolutely mine is yours. So true. You know, and then the next tier up, going to like my, you know, my neighborhood or my community. Right. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty liberal. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then around like the state, I'm like, I think I'm, I'm Democratic. And then you keep going up, and like, oh, now I'm Republican, now yeah, Libertarian. Certainly, it's I like, get, yeah. And so it's even within that, it's just yeah. we're ultimately, I think we and my and I absolutely include myself in this. Maybe some people aren't, but I and and the general we, I think, are just lazy thinkers, which makes sense because it's you know, there's a lot of shit going on. I want to learn better jujitsu or I want to get freaking, you know, pay my rent or I want to meet this girl or, you know, I got like my focus. Yeah. And outside of that, it's just the chunking of information. And then you become, you know, an an ideologue and you just kind of chunk all this, all these categories together. And it's just lazy thinking. I think it's really, and I think it comes back to the similar thing of like, if you really wanted to move, you would. Right. You know, and I think it comes into, it all comes back to the way that we perceive the world. Well, and, and certainly the way we're taught, and this is what we're arguing, you know, right now, this, we're arguing that if we keep educating citizens this way, we're just going to keep producing more of the same thing. We're not producing, the, the argument that we're producing a better society simply because we kill each other less, simply because we die less from communicable diseases or whatever, I mean... I don't know that that's producing a better society. Are we happier? Yeah, when the death might just get pushed around. Well, in exactly. Fact, it, it, it shuffled. Definitely does shuffled. Get shuffled around. Yeah. yeah. So now all of a sudden, we're not, you're not getting killed by a tomahawk, but you're, you know, hanging yourself off your bedroom. Right. Or corn door. syrup is killing you. Yeah. Or, yeah, obesity. Right. You were, or, we're, a, we're feeding our citizens shit yeah, and knowingly doing it. Yeah. 
And so at some point you start to say, well, is, you know, are, are things getting better? And I, like Chris Ryan would argue, no, they're not getting better. This is not what better looks like. If this is what progress is, you know, this idea of progress, you know, progress, if, if progress isn't measured by our people happier, yeah. If that's not our measuring stick, then we've got the wrong stick. And the, the, what we're typically measuring is, do we have more material possessions? Sure. That's the measure. So let's get those let's get those third world people up to that think, that first world standard. Is it is it like Bhutan? They have like gross domestic happiness. I think like it is. Yeah, that model. country. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's their. They, they, yeah, they're really proud of that, which I think is amazing. Yeah, there's, there's... But how many people live in Bhutan? Right. And this, what, in this, and how many people live in Iceland? Iceland is incredibly successful in so many ways, and you also have probably ten thousand or ten million or less people. Yeah. We're not designed to be three hundred and fifty million people in an organized structure. There's, there's no, there's no fucking way. That we can socially, you know, do that well. We're, we do it, we do it, but we medicate the fuck out of it. Mm. If, if we don't think that the amount of alcohol, drugs, sugar, shit is, that's consumed is not a pacifier for our, you know, our, I, I'm trying to use, what's the, what's the most dramatic word? We are, we are desperately depressed. We're, we're more than we're more than just a little bummed out. We're we're as a society we're addicted to painkillers in the form of sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're addicted to painkillers. I'm gonna take a moment and share what I consider to be one of the best probiotics on the market. That is Seed. I really dig this company. Seed's daily symbiotic is a pre and probiotic two-in-one capsule. It supports your gut health, your skin health, and a whole plethora of more functions in your body. There are 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains, the first of its kind, not to mention they are sustainably delivered every month. In your first purchase, you'll get a glass jar that is infinitely refillable. Your monthly refills are delivered in compostable, biodegradable and recyclable packaging. I appreciate that so much. It really is a beautiful experience using Seed's products. Um, I have enjoyed this stuff for the last year. I've been taking Seed off and on, and when I'm taking it, I do notice a, a quality change in my skin, in my energy, in my digestion, and I think you guys are gonna dig it. So jump over to seed.com slash align for 15% off. That's seed, S-E-E-D.com forward slash align. 15% off if you don't love it once again no questions asked money back guarantee so you got nothing to lose and uh, your whole microflora to gain so enjoy jump over to seed.com forward slash alive I also want to take a moment and share something that has been a game changer for my sleep. That is Qualia Night. I am really digging this stuff. It does something to my dreams that makes them be kind of out of this world. It's almost strange in the morning, the level of one, just being able to recall my dreams. Two, during the experience, it feels almost like I'm living a novel or something. It's very fascinating. Um, Qualia's, Qualia Night has 25 of the most essential ingredients on earth for optimizing your sleep cycles. Uh, if you want to try it yourself, you can get 50 freaking percent off if you're a first time user or order. And then on top of that, you can get another 15% off by using the line code. So that's neurohacker.com if you want to get a total of 65% off just to try it. And if you don't like it, just get your money back. No big deal. Uh, neurohacker is spelled N-E-U-R 
H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And then you can plug in the the word align, A-L-I-G-N at checkout, and you'll get yourself 15% off on top of the 50% off if you are a first-time user. Now, a first-time user, you still get 15% off. So that's it. Jump over to neurohacker.com, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the align code for a potential 65% off your order. Have you heard of the Pareto's principle, the 80-20 principle? Sure, you heard of the 80-20 I've heard that, or, but, it, but right, you whatever, get, give it to me again. Essentially, yeah. it's, essentially it's like, like 20%. It relates to a lot of things, like economics and such, but like 20% of the, the stuff that you do produces 80% of the, the gains or the outcome. Mm. And it's, it happens within, you know, books would be an example. If you, as an author, there's like a small little sliver of authors that everybody knows about mm-hmm. and everybody buys their books mm-hmm. and then they get recapitulated and they, you know, they're on every bookshelf and every air, airline, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but there's like a million books written a year in the United States alone yeah. or whatever the numbers are. And they're all just kind of like generally forgotten about. Right. I think that that same Pareto's principle kind of in a way, it seems like it relates to well-being right. in the culture that we live in. You know, so that's like the like the the wealth distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes up to that that's those those that small category of winners, mm-hmm. and then you know and, the and, rest of us. Right. <laughs> and, 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 is it, and is it getting any better? And so this is why I'm, this is why I think me and Chris are you know, such nihilists. You know, it's just like Jesus. Where is this improving? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, we could obviously uh, we could just unpeel this all day but i think what it comes down to for me just to sort of if i were to wrap this whole conversation this idea up is that you know movement for me is a place where it's an anchor point where i can go back to being uh, to being as as much a homo sapien not a person not a man not a woman none of this it's just the beauty of it is just it's just a, a, a human on the ground it's very it's it's to me it's very humbling and then jujitsu and martial arts like Budokan is, is a system. It, 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 for me, it's all designed to just sort of continue to destroy all these ideas that you think, are, you know, like that's why I, I use the moniker, you know, guru killer. Sure. It's like always killing these ideas that you're ever the top dog, you're ever the biggest this, you're the toughest that. I mean, it's not true. You know, there's always someone that can you know, beat your ass. There's always someone stronger. There's always more competent. There's younger. You know, it's just everything's transitory. So I guess at the end of the day, it all comes down to this, this feeling that the reason I move is to examine myself at the at a base level, at just a super base, raw, vulnerable, transparent, you know, animal level. I am an animal. I am just another species. I'm not more important than uh, an earthworm. I'm not more important than the grass. And I recognize that in myself. I know that about me, and I know it's true. I know I'm not important. As much as I would like in, in, at times to believe that because it may serve some sense of safety or comfort in me. I think you could be incredibly like nihilistically unimportant, nothing, just, you know, a, like a, a turd on the bottom of a shoe. I think that's totally true. And I think you're an earthworm. Well, whatever. It's all the same compost. Well, so, but, true. But, but, and, so am I, like and, when I'm dead. But and yes. you're also, you know, a miracle and you're infinitely important. And you're, you know, if you're not important, then mm-hmm. nothing is, which ultimately comes back to stories and agreements. 
which are fine. Well, there's the thing, yeah. You know, well, but there's another side of of those stories and agreements, and it's yes. oh, I'm I am God, and I am a part of everything, and I am masculine, and I am feminine, and I am the ocean, and it's like. Well, th- this is true in a relative way, meaning what we're what or who we're related to. There is there's a there's a certain mattering, you know. Like I matter to my wife very much. I matter to my mother very much. My daughter very much. And that I understand. And at the same time, under, if, if I don't understand that, that if I don't understand where I matter, if I think that I matter to the whole world and I matter in a way that's not anchored in reality, then my ego is not in service. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. My, my, what I have to understand is where I do matter and where I don't matter. And in an absolute way, I don't matter. I could die tomorrow and the world will keep spinning. You'll keep eating. She'll keep eating. Everybody's going to keep doing what they do. But in, in, in the sense of how much do I matter to that person while, you know, in her life on a daily basis, I, I matter greatly. And I get that. So I guess all I'm, all I'm suggesting is that it's not a nihilistic thought. It's more of being anchored in the balance of yin and yang, the balance of life and death, the balance of of what you know is and you know this this is isn't this is like it's like humans right now are living with the belief that that they matter more than they do. Yeah, individualistic. It's like the, like the cult, it's like an era of individualism. But, but I would even argue that it's that it it, it it travels beyond individualism. I think it's a collective belief that humans are here and that they trump every other animal's importance. Mm. So I, I would argue that it it travels beyond like you just believing like you know, hey, I matter. Hey, I matter. This goes into no collectively humans. Whoa, 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 whoa! Um, that gorilla has that baby that fell into the to the pit. Kill the gorilla because it may kill the baby, and that's a very clear, clear demonstration of what we think is more valuable: human life, or or the gorilla's life. But in reality, how how can we say that's true? How is it true that that gorilla is less important than that baby? That human. It's ultimately not absolutely true, but we are going to, if it's the, I think with the majority of human beings, if it's like, I, I heard this in the UFC fights last night, uh, Vera said it to, to, I don't know, whoever, he's talking to, he's talking to Rogan at the end. It's his family or my family. His family or my yeah. family. Yeah. And like, I care more about my family. Well, it's my family or your family. Well, that's I choose it. my family. Right. And, and that, I think we're yeah. always trying to attempt to find tribe and, and we're always trying to attempt to find these kind of delineations of, all right, cool. Like, you're like a, you're like a movement guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like a movement guy. You're like, oh, cool. Yeah. We're in this tribe. Yeah. You're like, oh, like, you're white. Yeah. You know, or you're black. Yeah. Or you're, or you're Jamaican. Oh, oh we're yeah. like kind of like hip hop. I like hip hop. Like yeah, it's cultural for right. sure. You know, so like we're always attempting to kind of consciously or subconsciously create these bridges and connections because ultimately what we desire is tribe. Yeah. We choose connection because it's safety, safety. and safety comes back right. to protecting my family and me. Right. And I have to believe that as a human, I'm the most important animal on this planet. And we collectively believe that. And we're told it through all of our stories and narratives. It's it's with, it's within. There's three great the, the three the three biggest religions that exist: Islam, Hinduism, and Christianity. Uh, they all 
are very clear on man's importance. We are literally the, the descendants of God, and the earth is here for us. And so this mentality, which, which, which again, it, it permeates through, through the human consciousness. It's not just, again, contained within the religion. It's, it, it's, it's how humans think. Our judicial system's built off of it. It's why you can destroy the rainforest right now and as long as, you know, as long as it's producing money, whatever. I'm just making a point that it's very important to understand that we've swung way the fuck over here. Yep. And there, back to your point, because we don't have a, we're not very skillful at complex thinking. We're not great critical thinkers anymore because we're training people to remember information rather than to discover information. Scientists in some ways their only their job is basically to witness what's occurring and then you've got a, a group of scientists think of like an einstein who's in there actively trying to challenge what is understood and 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 you know question it and you know it, there's a lot of critical thinking going on yep. and then there's just the observation of what is and then there's just the learning and regurgitation of what is, and you know, you've been given. So most of our scientific community has just been taught information. It's learned a, a system. It's regurgitating it. It they they themselves don't even know. they're not doing the work that because again, I think in our brain we think, oh, a scientist is one type of person, but a scientist is many types of people. Just like in the world of movement. Just like in the world of jiu-jitsu, there's not one style of person, a thinker. There's some people that think that this is mobility and that that's enough to do. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to, you know, okay, guys, we're going to do an hour. But, you know, like, I don't agree that that is what, you know, what, what I, you know, and, and again, that that's, there's a difference there. Um, so uh, not all scientists are equal. Not all movers are equal. Not all teachers are equal. And, and, and human beings, in my opinion, are, and I say equal, not in their, not in their, uh, their, their, you know, worth, you know, as, as if you just say, because again, I think everything's equally important. Perfect example, and I think this argument speaks for itself. If humans were to disappear off the planet, the planet would not, of course, be disturbed. If you lost all the bees, we're going to have a problem. You know, I mean, that's how insignificant we are when it comes to the ecosystem. So we're like, well, we really matter. I'm like, yeah, but we really don't. And, and that can be demonstrated by an, by the negation of our species on the planet. You just just be gone with us and see what happens. So how can we be that important to the ecosystem if we're actually the things that are destroying it and consuming it? And you know, so so it's not to say that we're just these shitty, terrible creatures. There's just too many of us. Like there shouldn't be this many anything. There's just too many humans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean I'm like, let's be honest. I mean, I, I mean, I love dolphins. There shouldn't be eight billion dolphins, you know, in a fucking cove this big. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be nice. The dolphins won't like it. Nobody's going to like it. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying, like, you can't put eight billion people in a cove this big and go, this is working out great, isn't it? Isn't everybody getting along? So I mean, so I, I, that's all I'm. That's all I'm debating is I agree with you. It's so important to understand that we are another beautiful, in, interesting, incredible product of, of nature. Like, wow, cool, these human things. Very interesting. 
but I also feel like dolphins are equally not 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 like wow humans are really interesting and dolphins are sort of I'm like dolphins are just as interesting as humans it's really that simple it's but but humans don't typically think that way we think I don't think that we can villainize any species for having an innate inclination to protect their own not that's true can't do but you know, I I I agree you're right, you know. though. You know, you know you're know, you 100% right. And, and this whole thing happened so by accident. You know, it's not like we had some master plan to overpopulate. Yeah. It's just a very kind of innocent, like, oh, okay, look, we've got more food. Yeah. Well, more food makes more comfort, more babies, more, sa- you know, oh, sweet. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get it. But then the broader conversation, and, and this is where it comes back to, you know, Uishiba. Uishiba? Yeah, Uishiba. 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 Start, you got start, it now. Start again. Uishiba, start again. Yeah. Uh, going from the, the material martial art to the spiritual martial art, the material is that opposition, my family, your family, you know, your dolphin family, my human yeah. family, your bee family, my human family. But then eventually you get to a higher lens and you're 75 and you're in a cave, yeah. you know, and you're writing your last but you, book. But you, true, but you need to understand the material or you wouldn't even of be course. able to, right? Yeah, there's so no that's one why that's they, more valuable. Yeah, that's why they need each other. But you can get to that point where you realize like, oh, my family... Your B family, your B family is what supports my human family. Oh, okay. Okay. And that's, and that's where we come back to like this rejection of self. It's like, I reject that part of me. Yeah. It's like yogis come in, they go, I reject violence. That's why I do yoga. Yeah. And then the, the martial arts is like, I reject peace. That's for pussies. That's why I do martial arts and I don't do yoga. Sure. And then you've got this person going, I reject the female because you know because it's like it's i feel like it's just this interesting game of rejecting something mm-hmm. to then just go over and identify and, and re-identify over here and at the day at the end of the day boy that's a lot of work when you could just accept all of it yeah and embrace all of it and maybe save yourself some money and i wonder if there is no opponent you know it's like like the, the alan watts i think i've probably mentioned this on here before so i apologize the second time but uh he has a bit where he talks about and probably other people have said this too, but like the theater of life, you know, we're out on stage and there's the villain and then there's the protagonist and there's, you know, there's all these different... Gotta have one. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then they come off of the stage at the end of the night and they smoke a cigarette and they're hanging out and the villain takes his villain costume off and you know, they're all hanging out. Yeah. You know, and so it's, I think within that, it's like that's that's what's happening in all of this. And when we have a, a enemy, you know, it's like, I think typically... I, if I think of every person that I've had any kind of dispute or issue or uh, even like present issue with, I think ultimately it's, I'm a truly not like in a spiritual bypassing kind of way, a hundred percent responsible oh. for that. Oh, a hundred percent. I brought them, it was something about me and where my mind was at and my yes. kind of illusions and all that stuff yes. that, that, that magnetized and drew that person into my world. And then we played out this play and then boom, there was a, an explosion and then, and I could, I could victimize myself and say, oh man, I can't, they're such an asshole. They're yeah. this and that. It's like, no, no, you like, they are your production. Oh, without a doubt. And and I, I just love all these new terms, spiritual bypassing. and I didn't get it for a while. And then I was like, you know, oh, I yeah, get and then it. Gaslighting. And we just use all these terms now and, you know, and, and trauma informed. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, guys, you, 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 you know, every, we need, you know, creating another category for people to then identify <laughs> with that group and go, that's me. Yeah, I'm that guy. You know? And so it's like, you know, it's okay because what what's that is is this pushback for people to go, oh well, you know, if if you own a hundred percent of what happens to you, 
Now, somehow that's wrong because you haven't identified yourself as the victim. And, and you, you know, you've got to do that in order to complete the cycle. To heal. Yeah, to heal. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just absolutely not true. That is not true. I don't have to be anyone's victim to heal. I only have to look at my decision or my choice and how I got there and say, wow, that was interesting. What did yeah. I get from that? I, I mean, I, I, how dare anybody tell me what my process is to feel peace and closure and tranquility? I mean, who gets to tell another person what that process is? I mean, psychology, that world is full of completely, the, I, I, I've, I have a lot of friends who are in the world of clinical psychology or therapists. You know, they'll be the first person to tell you that everyone's fucked up in that, you know, in that world. DSM, yeah. It's just full of it. And, and it's, like, it's like, because at the end of the day, we're all fucked up. But this, this idea that we're, and, and I appreciate someone who wants to study, you know, cognitive distortion and understand it and understand how we get here. But at the end of the day, you can't simply reach, just because someone has worked with enough people and they, they, they have this interesting theory or hypothesis that this particular method will produce this particular, you know, outcome, it's still up to each individual to go through their own process and figure their own their own shit out. This this whole thing that because because by the way, if one method worked for every single person, I'm sure we would have already implemented that if it was that successful. But but the human mind is not that simplistic that you can just it's it's not a turnkey. I can't just take this and you know and use it. So I think that all people have a way that they heal and they work through things. So to tell, I feel, but we're again we're back in that place in society where we're telling people one thing fits all things. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, if we end on that, just understanding that if, if there is, for me, my, my ending thought would be if we're going to live a happy, joyful life and we're going to feel sane and, and in some way trust our own intuition. I feel like this is a time when it's hard to know what you can trust. Someone looks at you, you're a racist. Am I? <laughs> Jesus fuck! I you know I, I didn't even think that I was, but you know now that I look more deeply into my into the fact that I don't have a problem with you know that guy wearing a uh, you know a frizzy wig on Halloween, I must be a racist. You know this if we don't stop you know buying into these ideas that 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 you know. That, we've sort of started producing out there these extreme ideas. I don't think we're, you know, I don't think we're ever going to find happiness. So we've got to come back to trusting our intuition. Nobody's going to tell me I'm a racist. Fuck you. I know me. You don't know me. I know how I treat people. I know the way I measure a man. You don't. So do you, you know, just because you think that you you know and 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 this this is an example of that this is I used the frizzy wig thing but there was a recently a newscaster that wore a frizzy wig for a Halloween broadcast and he was murdered by the black community not not the not no, and again that's an overstatement it was like an afro wig it was it was a frizzy wig there's no such thing as an afro wig you can't create an afro wig <laughs> okay by the way this is me do you understand that like, like that doesn't that does not pot unless you take African-Americans' hair 
Uh. and actually create a wig from it. Uh. But I'm talking about a cheap Halloween costume made of polyester fibers, which is a frizzy wig, which... Don Henley had Glenn, you know, uh, in the seventies. Uh, Bob the painter uh, had a, uh, you know, he had a permed, uh, you know, his hair was permed. People, you know, white people have frizzy hair, but this gentleman wore it. Some, <laughs> some of the black community in his area got him fired because they said that that was a racist thing that made that traumatized many of the viewers. They claimed it traumatized them and. I think this is where we've reached the fucking, you know, the, the crazy, you know, the crazy part of the ride <laughs> where you've got a guy who, who is, if I interpret your behavior as racist, that's enough. That's enough. Sure. So my end thought is that people out there really need to go back to their intuition. And, and, and that comes with movement, move intuitively, eat intuitively, think intuitively. And in all fairness, your intuition can't be fully trusted in the sense that we, our intuition is a, a learning, breathing, yeah. existing thing. It's not some static thing. So, you, you know, you have to also, in all fairness, develop your intuition. It's not your instinct. It's your intuition, which is... And continue to challenge your own ideas and your 100%. own belief systems, like so, so, every yeah. day. If someone calls me racist, I have no problem questioning whether what I said or what I what I supported could be a racist concept, but am I a racist? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. You know, but, but could I unknowingly support a racist idea? Yes. Yeah. And not know it like supporting the, uh, the use of an Indian icon for a football team where the, you know, given the history of those people and their relationship and why that team's called that, I could go, okay, I could see how that could be offensive. Can you imagine as an example, a football team with a black Zulu tribal person as the mascot for a baseball team? There's no way that would fly. Right. Because it would just be so overtly clear that's offensive but if we do it with a native american it somehow seems you have to actively it's the same thing from a a movement conversation you have to actively be engaged with learning and self-educating because there's a lot of things that we probably i know that i'm an asshole oh me too (laughs) i can totally no i can just be i can be a total asshole for sure you know yeah and i know that there's things that i i think that i think presently that i'll you know i may or may not look back in five to whatever years and be like oh man i was you can guarantee I was a real that. asshole. You can guarantee like I really that. thought I knew. Like in that moment, I was like pretty hot. I was like I was on it, uh-huh. and I was like, no, that was a, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and true. so the only way to unravel our own bullshit is to be around people that are willing to challenge us, um, and just genuine. Like if you're genuinely engaged and you want to learn more and you're open to challenging ideas, including your own, that's all you can ask yeah, for. Yeah, come to that's Buddha. <laughs> Come to Budokan. That's what we do. We actually give a fuck about the nuance of conversation. We, you know, is that racist or are you being a racist? I mean, uh, those little nuances matter, though, don't they? Yeah. You know, are you to your you know final point? Are you are you being a racist or is that a racist idea? Yeah. And these are very big differences, aren't they? I mean, this is a huge difference between 
I'm a racist and I just happen to support a racist idea and I didn't know it. Yeah, but no, somebody's yeah. going to call, hey, you're a racist. The way we finger pointing now and just the way we're just throwing labels on each other, yeah. that's completely And you can garbage. convince a person, you know, if they have the, if they're being pressed enough by the right interrogator, you can convince a person that they committed a crime. So, yes, 100%. You know, we, and so, we know that's true yeah. over and over again. You know, so if you press somebody of like, you know, the whole tribe is around, what do they call that in, in communist China? They call it uh, stress. What do they call it? It's, it's like uh, stress circles, stress camp, stress, something like that. But they essentially just, ever, all, everybody gets yeah, around you yeah. and they just ridicule you and berate <laughs> you. And, you know, you're like, you're wrong, you're a piece of shit until you, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a part of the party. Yeah, it's voluntary coercion. <laughs> it's like, yeah is what it is it's like yeah you know you're volunteering yeah and that's, that's what we that's what we very clearly i mean i was a, i was a part of it with like blm and such and i i was induced by the oh, by the yeah. crowds to post things that i didn't oh, yeah. really you know, i had five days to like to really research think, you're like yeah. i don't even know if this is true Watching but if i don't the 13th yeah. documentary reading yeah. white fragility I'm you're like a, yeah. and i'm like okay Ah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm racist. I knew I'm it. Racist. I knew it. I knew it about me all along, and I was afraid to say it. And now I'm glad I've thank, said it. And then, thankfully, there was people that were of a stronger mind than mine that would then comment back, and I'm just getting ping ponged around because I'm clearly weak. Right. You know. <laughs> well, you, you might be weak on the subject. Yeah, you're like, a, you're like, I, since I really don't know a lot about being racist, since I'm not, but I think I am. Yeah. You know, but, how, you're, yeah. but you're pinned because, I mean, it's like really, it's a really like a strong chess move because if you are, if you don't say something out of ignorance, then you definitely are a racist. And so it was a really complex you can't win. chess yeah, match. Yeah, you can't win because then you get, you get berated by people who are angry at you from both sides. Yeah. There's no way to win that conversation. Well, there's no way to win any of this, but... But okay, it, but mm-hmm. but it, but it comes back. I think with with all of this, the only reason it's it's relevant or like worthy of mentioning any of that is I think the the path towards progress is actively engaging with looking at the world through your perceived opponent's eyes. Yes, and, and then that opponent fair. suddenly, with every person, and probably beyond that, like species, probably there's many more congruencies than there are differences, and Agreed. we get so wrapped up on the two things that we disagree with, and suddenly the person's like a rat. They're not yeah. even a human anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, well, if you really did like sense, have dinner with their family, <laughs> you know, like be willing to do that with the person that you hate the most in quotations. And my guess is you'll find that, you know, there's a lot more similar as you think. Uh, where should people go from here? Oh, man. <laughs> this is a, yes, this conversation was yeah. tangential AF. Yes. We're found at Budokan. Dot com. I yeah. got I, I, so I took a, your uh, class today. I found it really, really lovely. I was, I, I was, it was like I, I invited would lo- you for that reason. I thought you might enjoy it. Yeah, I had a great time. I found it to be something that I would love to see integrated into everything. You know, but obviously like yoga and asana in that world, uh, but just at at home, like finding mobility and full range of motion throughout the you know various different spinal segments and being able to connect. Just connect with the ground. I mean, that's like a big part of what my my book is about is just spending time on the ground. And it's starting that like there's so much game and complexity and like fun that can be done from moving around on the ground. So I think you laid that out really incredibly. So I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, brother. Yep. Anybody who wants to come move on the ground with me can do it in Montana at Budokan 
uh, Big Sky, where we teach mixed movement arts to uh, enthusiasts, movement enthusiasts, people who want to come up and learn to teach or just personal development are always welcome. Jiu-jitsu, yogis. I mean, we, we, we cater to everyone up there who just loves to move. And, right. and uh, you can find us up there. So, Budokan.com. Budokan.com. Yeah, that's it. Right. Been a pleasure, my friend. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for the conversation. Let's go jump off some diving boards into, into Barton Springs. Barton Springs, Austin, Texas. Austin, kids. Texas. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in over now. Bye. Hope you all dug that conversation. I want to thank you again for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Jay Strees One for leaving us a review. Appreciate y'all very much. And uh, if you want to share this conversation on the Instagram, you can tag myself at Align Podcast. You can tag Cameron at Cameron Shane. I hope this information has been supportive to you. I hope you're implementing it. I hope it has improved your world. And um, that's it. I will see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for the support. Thanks for reviews. Peace out.